Welcome to Book Reporter Talks To, a podcast from the Book Report Network, where we host in-depth conversations with authors about the books that we love. We know authors cannot travel everywhere, so we want to bring them to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to our latest episode of Book Reporter Talks To, where our guest today is Ashley Elson, and we're going to be talking about her first adult thriller, adult thriller, First Lie Wins, which is the hottest January release to date, folks. I've got to tell you, this is a Reese's pick for January. It's an instant New York Times, USA Today, and Publishers Weekly bestseller. It's all in one week, folks. It's all within a couple of days, and it's a book reporter bets on selection. Now, I read this back in August, and I have been dying for our readers to go read this book because I can't talk a lot about it until you've read it. And when you read it, you're going to see why, because this is very different from thrillers that I've read before, where I would sort of start guessing, or it's like this one, it's like that one. I'll tell you folks, this is not like anything I've read before. No, no, no. So in our book reporter uh, review, Ray Palin had this to say, First Eye Wins is unpredictable in every sense of the word and wraps up with a completely satisfying ending that will reward all readers who follow along with Evie on her journey. And with that, welcome, Ashley. So great to have you here. Thank you. My cheeks are going to hurt from all that smiling because I love hearing all that. It's amazing. Thank you for having me. New exercises, new exercises. Yeah, like, oh, what does this one do? What does this one do? So let's start with you giving us a little overview of First Slide Wins because you can't tell much because you spoil it. So you can't. I know. <laughs> it's so hard because you want to like say something that makes it, you know, sound exciting, but vague enough to not give it away. So um, so what I say is First Slide Wins follows a woman who has worked for her mysterious boss for the last 10 years under various aliases. But when past mistakes begin to catch up with her, she realizes there's more on the line than she originally thought. Super vague. Super <laughs> Maybe vague. fun. <laughs> Super vague, but very sincere. Very, very, very sincere. So how did you come up with this idea of this woman who's this con, but she's she's still um, noble inside? I mean, where'd she come from? So I had, you know, finished my, you know, last YA book. It was a rom-com. It was kind of a weird time for me because I didn't really know what I wanted to write next. It was also COVID, which was weird for everybody. And I was like, I don't know, but I'm a photographer, you know, that was my, my previous life um, as a photographer. And so I'm very visual. And so I kind of have to see a scene in my mind before I start writing it. And I saw this dinner party scene and I saw the table and I saw the people sitting around the table and I was like, okay. And then I, started building that conversation in my head. Like, what would they talk about? And what if somebody there was kind of shady or lying or not there for good reasons? And so I just wrote the scene and I was like, oh, okay. And I had, you know, sort of Evie's kind of her interior monologue going on. And, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm liking her, you know, I wonder what she's about. And I just sort of gave myself this freedom to just sort of, you know, what, what would she do next? What would she do next? And then we did the apartment scene. I was like, okay, I'm really liking her. And so um, that's kind of how it just started. And then, at, you know, at some point you have to say, okay, what is this book about? What am I trying to do? But I just sort of kind of let her, her grow a little bit. I was rereading this morning and the apartment scene is so great of like what she does. Yeah. We're not going to share it. We're not going to give anything away, you know, da, 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 da. You know, I want to share a big, um, great paragraph that I highlighted. That's right from the beginning of the book. So let me see if we can do this. Okay. There's an old saying 
first lie wins. It's not referring to the little white kind that tumble out with little to no thought. It refers to the big one, the one that changes the game, the one that's deliberate, the lie that sets the stage for everything that comes after it. And once the lie is told, it's what most people believe to be true. The first lie has to be the strongest, the most important, the one that has to be told. I, I feel like that paragraph right there. Okay, now I read this in August. So I got this like, I mean, I didn't drop it in the pool. That's the good news. But I had this page folded down. And as soon as I saw that today, it's like, I remember standing there saying, that really is so much of what this book is about. And yes. that could have been the about the book copy. <laughs> it, could, it really, yes, it could have been. So I, I, you know, when you're trying to come up with titles and you start Googling things like lying or, you know, phrases with lying or, you know, trying to get some sort something, I came across this article that was written about the show, Catherine the Great. I had not, I have not seen the show, but in, in the show, Catherine has a pretty nasty rumor. I'll let you Google it about her going around. And once it was told the there was no, you know, getting ahead of that lie. Like everybody believed it to be true. It didn't matter what she said. Didn't matter how outrageous it was. They believed, they believed it. And so, and I think in the show, somebody says, cause it's an old saying, first lie wins. And somebody says the thing, I was like, God, I really do love that. And then if you really take into like, even like social media today, mm -hmm. um, and you take into things like, you know, people in power, or want to be in power and they say the most outrageous things, but they say it with such conviction mm -hmm. and they just own it. And people are, they believe it. And you're like, well, that's outrageous. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Doesn't matter. They believe it because it was told with such authority. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what she learns is if you say it with enough confidence, with enough authority, people believe it because it's believable when it's delivered that way. And that's sort of what the whole thing is about is, you know, I can get you to believe that first one, you know, I've got you for the rest. Yeah, I've got you convinced. Mm -hmm. I've got you convinced. And you're looking at me and it's true. You hear so many things the other night. I'll just uh, segue here for a second. Peacock put out like right after they, uh, Kansas city game, right. And they said 23 million people streamed this game. I'm just saying they're like, this is just not making one shred of sense to me. And one of the announcers sits out and says this. And I immediately said, this makes zero sense that this many people signed up for this, that like somebody my dad's age wouldn't even know how to go sign up for right. this and take out the credit card and put the credit card. And I said, but it was said with such conviction by the announcer that if you're not really, and it's the, it's the most streamed thing ever. And my immediate thing is what's the second then? Like what right. was what was the second like like is it like Bambi? I mean like what was the show <laughs> that we are going to tell me was second? Right. But it wasn't a Taylor Swift kind of thing. Like tell me, and it's just really funny. But if you say it, you're right, if you say it with conviction, it's like oh yeah, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, it is. Yeah, oh, aren't we great? You know, yeah. And that's sort of you know that's kind of you know any good con artist. I mean that's that's what they have the ability to convince you that they're mm -hmm. saying it's true. And you don't really doubt it. And, you know, it, it's it's definitely a gift for those type of people. And, you know, she's one of those people. One of those people, but she's also got a moral code. She's got a soul. She's not she's, just a con. She's got this heart and she's got this soul. So as she's doing certain things, she really is seeing the ramifications on the other person. Mm -hmm. She's understanding what her job is, but she's trying not to hurt too much. And I mm -hmm. think that a lot of times when you think of somebody who's a con, they have no heart, they have no soul, and they have no moral compass whatsoever. Were right. you 
really structuring that into her? Like, did part of Ashley channel through and go, she can't be that bad, you know? <laughs> well, I like the idea that she, you know, she kind of came to this kind of criminal life um, in a sort of a desperate moment, you know, mm -hmm. for, for her reasons. Um, but then she realized that she was good at it. And I think that she was okay. Like, I'm good at it and I'm going to be okay that I'm good at it. And I'm going to climb sort of my own corporate ladder, even if it's an illegal one. Right. But I'm also, I know the lines I'll cross and I know the lines I won't cross. And so she sort of has, you know, her own right and wrong, even if it's not a legal one. Mm -hmm. And it was just sort of had enough, like, I know who I am and I'm unapologetically good at this, but I also won't cross a line that I'm not comfortable with. I'm not going to go hurt somebody else by doing, by doing. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Smith is her boss. Mr. Smith is this character that we really don't know. He's this clandestine kind of character. It's like, you know, the wizard behind and who is this, you know, who's running Oz. And right. I feel like just creating him, you've got to sort of have this whole picture of who he is because he won't, he, he has no problem telling her what to do, whether it's moral or not. And then mm -hmm. she has to take what's going on. What was it like to, um, you know, putting together a clandestine character like he is? Well, I mean, it's fun because it's like the mystery of like, you know, there's some freedom there. Like I can really, how far can I stretch my wings on this? Right. And with each edit, I sort of got a little bit better picture of who I wanted him to be. And he changed throughout mm -hmm. okay. who, you know, from the edits, you know, until I finally settled in who he should, he needed to be. And, um, but it just, it took sort of really getting in deeper and deeper and deeper with him. But he was, it was fun to write that because it's like, you know, like the, like you said, the guy behind the curtain, the guy pulling the strings and it's like, you know, it was fun, you know, it was fun. And she's always wondering who he is, who he mm -hmm. is. Am I passing him on the street? Yes. Is he sitting at the table next to me? Who mm -hmm. is this person? Because I really don't know. I don't have a look of him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've never encountered him. And it's very, very dark as a result of yeah. where could he be at any time? You know, we, we then flip back eight years and to her first con, I think it was eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And did you write all the past cons all at once? Like once you had, or did you go and do those along the way? So the first one was, was, you know, again, when I first started writing it and I'm trying to like feel my way through and what is this book? And I didn't really know that I was going to do that part. And so I got to a certain point. I was like, okay, maybe I need to, maybe I need to understand you know, how she came into this thing. And so I really kind of just wrote it. Maybe it would go in the book, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just a writing exercise for me to like get a little bit more clarity of what I was trying to do. But then I was like, oh no, I really, I'm really liking this, right? But then I'm like, how many of these do I want to do? I mean, like what's too much? And so then I would just sort of keep writing. I was like, ooh, now if I could go back and, and show why this is important in the present because of something in the past. And so then I was like, looking for those moments. And when we did like the first draft, we sold it and they were like, again, you know, everybody's like, is there too many? Is there not enough? Not enough? And maybe we should get rid of one. I'm like, well, which one are you getting rid of? Because like, they all serve a purpose. Like I, I can trim them down. I can make them a bit smaller or, you know, a little bit more streamlined, but who are we losing? Right. So then I even actually added another one in like almost one of the last edits. I was like, okay, y'all don't kill me, but actually add one, but it has to be there. Like it has to be there. And, and they're like, okay, no, we agree. It has to be there. And so, you know, I did go in and, and tweak them a bit and tried to get them into a manageable size, um, size, but, um, yeah, they just, 
I don't know. They just were a part of that. Well, it was also informing you as you were yes. writing. And I think that that's really important for readers to think about because I think sometimes we read a book and we feel like, okay, actually I sat down and started typing on the keys and then this started coming and da, da, da. But it's how you need to get to learn the character and how you might have to take something away from her or him at one point because it's not going to serve the story. And I think that the line about serving the story has been more and more talked about over the last couple of years of, is this really going forth to serve the story either? And I think it's coming because readers are used to everything being quicker with mm -hmm. social media, with the internet, with watching streaming. So it's got to be brisk. It can't right. be anymore. It's got to be some kind of base because that's what people are used to. Right. And you're writing against that as opposed to, and then what do they need to know? Well, if they know this, then I don't need to write that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that too, is like, I don't want to just say, uh, like, I don't want to just say this is what happened in the past. And that's why what's happening right now is important. You know, you want to show it. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to, to show it. We got to show it. I got to get in it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a balance and it was definitely like, okay, this one's a little long. Let me trim it a little bit. And, you know, it, you know, it, it took a lot of rounds to get it, to get it right mm -hmm. um, for sure. But you know what the, the other thing too is, is sometimes you have to write it to trim it. You have to sit there and say, I don't really need that line anymore. I already said that I can pull yes. this thing out. It's not going to do any, it's not going to work for, you know, it's not anything that I need. And I think that a lot of times when things get bloated, it's because it's too much need. Like it's no, we right. don't need that anymore. You think, right. you, do, you know, right. What for was sure. Where's it? Somebody said, said it's like, uh, no, we already saw the child. It's okay. Like we don't yes. have to go again. Yes. You use social media very cleverly. And it's something that I saw would work actually, because I saw a friend comment once on another friend's post. And I'm like, how do they know each other? Like yeah. I had no idea. And this has happened to me more than once at this yes. point. And I'm like, where do you two know each other? Like, I know you from working at the magazine or you were the person who helped me decorate the house. How do you know these other people? Mm -hmm. And I think that once you see that, you see how it would work. But were you, how are you figuring out how that could happen? Well, I was in that, in that mind space of like, how would, how would they communicate? And I wanted it to be kind of, you know, fun because, you know, as whatever this book is, I also wanted you to have fun. I mean, I want it mm -hmm. to be fun. And so I, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So we were going through it, but I was off course, you know, killing time on social media and it was some random, but big public account. And like you said, I, my friend Missy commented on it. I was like, first, like, why is she commenting on that? I mean, okay. You know, but then I was like, there's like 3000 comments and hers is the one, you know, it's like their caption and then Missy and then her, her, her comment. And I was like, okay, well, so then I started really kind of looking and like it kind of like a little bell like okay well hold on so then I call her I was like hey and I was telling her what I was doing I was like okay you go like and I think it was like uh, Southern Living magazine I was like you go like Southern Living and I'm gonna go like Southern Living and I want you to go and leave a comment and then I'm gonna wait like five minutes and then I'm gonna see if I see it and sure enough there it was I was like done 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 that's <laughs> it it works you know and so it, it, yeah. And then it's like, that's how that al algorithm works is they want you to engage because people, you know, are engaging. And I was like, it works enough for, it works enough. I've tested it, it works enough. Let's go. Yeah. But you know, it's really funny because you think about that is such a really simple thing in a lot of ways of how you figure out how somebody, you could even be sitting there 
And she could sit there and say, wait a second, they know this other person, that's going to ruin it for me. Like they can't know each other. Those right. two, but you're not thinking about this when you're looking and well, you're thinking about people who know each other, but it was like, wait, those two know each other is not going to be good for me. And yes. it could be, we could take this as an extra chapter. Like we just wrote the extra chapter for Evie. Yes. Here, we go. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> the setting is in the South and you're a Southern girl. And you take us to all these different southern southern cities and places. Did you do that by intent to give us this picture of the South? That's you know not just the drippy. You know, it's a hot, humid day. You know. Yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. Like reel it in, Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I am from Louisiana. I'm in Louisiana. I love setting books here. Um. And I'm in North Louisiana, so you know, everybody knows New Orleans. Not everybody knows North Louisiana. So it's always fun to me to set it here. Um, I wanted to go through the South. I think that was fun. Um, a lot of these con artist type books, you know, you see the big heists in New York or LA or Paris. Well, what about in Nashville? And what about in Atlanta? And I liked the idea of sophisticated crime happening in a part of the country that is not always considered sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And it, to me, it was just a little bit of a different, it was a way to make a, a little bit different take on it by putting it down here. Yeah. Like, you know, super, super sharp, super, super. It's like, you know, in every single moment, and, and I'm telling you people, I have like lots of folded down pages here that we could be talking about from the summer. And I started rereading this morning. I was like, I will never get to this interview if I keep rereading all these pages, because there were a lot that were folded down. And I think that that's the fun thing is to have a book that's sharp. They could just sit there and say, Hey, just go read this. I think you're going to have a great time. And it's like, now my husband can get my galley. Like, but he keeps <laughs> books more pristine. Like he gives them back. It looks like it was never read. And I'm like, really? I have like destroyed the book. You know, he's very, very careful. I'm that's awesome. You know, but I love the pace. And I was thinking with it that I was thinking of that music at the end of the Thomas Crown Affair where Sinner Man comes up. And I know this song only because I had to go find out what it was. And I work out to that song doing water aerobics. I mean, yes. like, full confession because it's being played in the background. And I just saw there's certain moments where that would actually happen, but the action is so quick. And it, you don't realize it until you're realizing, what did she just do? Whoa, that was fast, you know? I love that. I love that. I love that song too. Like, and I love that movie. I love all that. Yeah, I love I, there's just something so clever. And you go back and you watch it again to see how they did it. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a lot of time to go back and watch things again, but you sit there and it's like, I could watch that movie again and still it, enjoy it. It is, it's so clever. And it, I mean, like that whole, like the, having the whole group come in and it's just a distraction. And then he just simply goes in there and takes, I mean, like, I love that, like, look over here and I'm just going to take it. Like, I love that simplicity. I it's do. It's a sleight of hand kind of thing going on. It's that sleight of hand, that sleight of movement. And it's actually, I mean, I have, I have a lot to read, but I would like to reread this book. And it's not that I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, just because it's going to be for the interview. No, it's for the pleasure of reading the book again and seeing, wait, what did I miss? Because when you, when you read as much as a lot of readers do and you go shock and awe, that's like a pretty big deal because a lot of shock and awe, that's what you're really looking to do. You know, that's amazing. Thank you. So you've written a lot of, or six YA books, which I consider a lot of these days. So what spurred the career change? Like I'm going to write an adult book or like, do we sit there and say, I'm going to, I'm going to get up and write an adult book today. You know, yeah. book for adults, you know, it's sort of the same way, you know, my first four ways were mystery thrillers. And then I have this idea for a rom-com that was kind of ridiculous. And 
it was set at Christmas and, you know, had a big family and I have a big family and it was very nostalgic for me, you know, writing it. And why, why would I all of a sudden write a rom-com? I don't know, but I just didn't question it. That's where my head was. And I wrote it and then wrote that plus the companion. But when I finished that, I was a little bit like, oh, what do I do now? I mean, am I going back to mystery thrillers? Am I trying to do another rom-com? And it was in the middle of COVID, which was horrible for everybody. Right. And so then you think, you know, my life's never going to be normal. Like, is we, are we ever going to be normal again? And so it was, it was one of those moments like, well, maybe I'm done. And I had, you know, I had a career as a photographer. It was 10 years. And then I was almost at like year 10 with writing. I'm like, well, maybe I can only do something for 10 years. And then I got to go find, maybe I got to go be a baker and learn how to decorate cookies. And so then you watch all those videos, you know, but then I was like, no, I, I don't know. So like I had said, I had, but then I had that idea and it was this dinner party scene, which I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to write it. And I, once I started writing, I was like, well, this is not why I don't know what it is, but it's not why. And I was like, well, let's go just sort of like doing the rom-com. Well, let's just see where this road takes us. And so I think being open to doing something different and not trying to overthink it, not thinking, oh no, that's not my brand. My brand is this. I can't go do this. Uh, kind of allowed me to just be like, mm, it'll work or it won't. And then maybe I'll go to culinary school. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think, you know, you just have to be able to say it might not work, mm -hmm. but I'm still going to try. That's right. You know, it's interesting also, YA is such a short time in readers, like for, for readers, what is it like 13 to 18, 13 to 20? Okay. And that's it. And these books, fourth wing iron, no, fourth wing iron flame that we're seeing out right now, right. Really like a YA audience kind of a book. That's exactly, it's what everybody grew up reading. And it's interesting because we had Harry Potter for a long time. These are people who grew up reading Harry Potter. And then from there, it was uh, the, whatchamacallit series, the uh, Twilight series. Okay. Yes, right. And then we're talking about, um, gosh, what's the next one? Why am I always facing these three series? Well, there were three series in a row that people were reading. Hunger Games, maybe. Hunger Games. Hunger right. Games, right. Yeah, we're, it's really interesting when they talk about banning books, these were kids killing kids. You know what I mean? Like, and boy. A-OK. -okay. Yeah. A-OK. -okay. They were selling no real, <laughs> no problem, everybody, you know? Yeah. And so, okay, so we're sitting there, we've got these three series, but we haven't had a big series since then in YA. Think about this. So we've got this whole audience. Yes, there's books here and there, but nothing that people are going to go to the store at midnight and go stand online to do. Nothing. So when you think about this audience, is your YA readers are now 20s, 30s. They're now they've grown up. So they're picking up first slide wins because they know your name. And it's a it's you're the brand, whatever she's gonna do. And I think it's very interesting because when you're talking about writing six YA, let's say it took period over eight years or whatever number of years, those people are now older and still fans of yours. They're still followers of yours, you know, whatever. Yeah, for sure. And why is so interesting to me too, because I think, you know, you obviously have that teen crowd that it's sort of meant for, but you do have, you have the adults yes. and, and I would almost say it may not be 50, 50, but it's maybe 60, 40. I mean, I, it's, it was surprising to me, but then I'm like, why am I surprised? I'm an adult. I read YA books. Right. Should not be shocking, but it, it was a very interesting, um, dynamic to write for teens, but with the adults also reading it. In mind. Yeah. And it was interesting because we used to have a, um, a site called Teen Reads. 
Mm -hmm. And we would see that there was a large adult audience still reading the books. There was teachers or librarians that were recommending. And then Mm -hmm. there were just people who just liked the genre and enjoyed reading that. And a lot of those books were quick. If you, the the writing in it was quick. And I think for your having written that, you know, like a pacing that people are used to seeing that may not happen if you start with adult. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but it may not happen because the the scenes are kind of brisk. Everything's very quick. If I, if I, you know. For sure. Yeah. And look, and if somebody's going to tell you you're not doing it right as a teen, I mean, you know, if you didn't, if you don't have the age, you know, what kids would say, oh, they're going to hammer you, it, you know, and if you're not keeping that attention, like you said, the pacing, they're going to hammer you. And I do think they're, that was probably sort of the best place to come from is mm-hmm. that because they will hold you very accountable if it's not right. Um, and that's like making sure there's, you know, that's why I'm like, let me make sure, let me plug up any plot hole I could possibly find before anybody else is going to find it because a teen will find a plot hole and they're going to tell you about it and they're going to send you an email or they're going to tag you on something. And so it, you know, it's pretty good training. I do think because you're like, okay, they're coming. I'll know they'll come for me. Let me find it first. Yeah. And it's interesting. It was like training. It was like, you know, there, there, it's six books of being said, okay, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And seeing it and for seeing a mistake, it makes you better for things that I've done that weren't like they weren't the right tone or the right this, I get better at what you're doing because you always, you have that voice inside your head. You have that mm-hmm. For sure. Why are you doing this? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Now you also have three boys and I think the dedication is to them, the three of it them is. at the beginning. Now, at what point did they read this or have they read it? Um, so my kids right now are 23, 21 and 15. Um, the 21 year old is similar to me in that he's a big reader as well. And he read probably pretty early, maybe second draft, like Ooh. emailed him the file he read on his computer because he is really good at feedback and he is not afraid to tell me his exact thoughts on it, which I appreciate. And so he read it pretty early. I do think he told me he was rereading it again because it has changed since the version he read. Um, my oldest son is the, is he's the audiobook guy. So he has listened to it once it came out and he's super picky and, but he loved the narration. He was very, very happy with it. And he, um, he liked it. The 15 year old has not read it yet. He might, he thinks he might at some point. I'm like, well, it's not going anywhere. It will be there when you're ready. Um, yeah, I think he'll read it at some point, but you know, Maybe a sign for senior reading. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we should just so. sign it for senior reading and then we'll see what we do, you know? Yeah. Yes. You know, but I feel like after they read this, they may think, well, we can't get away with anything with her because she's <laughs> constantly seeing the other side of this. Like, you know, have you read this? You haven't read it? She's going to see right through you what you're doing there. Don't pull it yeah. off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you were a photographer, a wedding photographer specifically. What was that like and how did that help you? Because- a wedding photographer gets to see the whole wedding. You get mm-hmm. to see everything that's evolving and you're capturing it, but you're also seeing everything happening around. Mm-hmm. So how was that really good training for you of watching people? I think it goes, I do think the photography and the writing in some ways go hand in hand. Um, you know, I feel like my attention to detail is pretty strong because I mean, I am photographing my bride. Is her veil straight? Is her, does she have a hair out of place? you know, where are the flowers? I mean, like I can very quickly with things will stick out to me. And I'm like, Oh, let me fix this. Oh, there's a crease in your dress. Or, 
and then, or wedding receptions, you're just, you're just scanning the crowd. You know, who are the big players? Who are the family members? Are they talking to somebody that I need to capture them talking to? And it is being aware of everything all at once and not just what you just the bride and groom. Where are the parents? Where's grandma? Has she left yet? You know, is she having a sweet moment with the bride? You know, and it is, it's just a level of awareness that you don't get if you're not hyper-focused on knowing what is going on around you. Mm -hmm. And then also the building of like the, the wedding album, right? What was the story of that day? We started early. You're getting your hair done. You're getting your makeup done all the way to whatever vehicle you left and under sparklers or rose petals or whatever it is you decided to do. And you're thinking, I've got to build this album. I'm telling the story, you know, I'm going to be heavy on pictures for the ceremony because that's a big part of it. But, you know, you know, the mother-in-law may be over here, maybe just a few of those because I don't know what a fan we are, right? You know, whatever it is. And so it's sort of that kind of like, where's the emphasis? You know, have we really showcased the big moments? You know, is there the drama of looking through the day? It's very hand in hand, I think. Right, right. You know, one of my um, my cousin's daughter got married this weekend and I wasn't at the wedding. So I've only seen the videos and the pictures. And you're right. Like what was captured and what didn't I see? Like I never saw right. the whole room. I never saw right. this, but I saw a lot of dancing and mm-hmm. I saw a lot of this. And it's really, you. yes, you've got to get every single thing that later on Auntie Dee Dee did not get like, you know, a picture or whatever. But years later, we've been married. My husband and I got married in 1985, right? So every once in a while, we look through the wedding album. Not a lot, trust me, because I can't, <laughs> can't find it. And we go, who was at the wedding? Like, they're friends that we know. Like, one couple got married. They, I I set them up at our wedding. So that was yeah. But there are other things that, like, was Uncle so-and-so at the wedding? Like, do mm-hmm. we have table pictures from every picture? Because I don't really remember. I don't. Right. And it's funny, it's funny because you think you've got that whole day, but your job was to capture it in, yes. you know, this was this- the vibe. I mean, like, what's the vibe? I mean, you know, was it a dance party? And there is a lot of that going on or yes. was it a lot of standing around and I need to make this look a little bit more exciting than it was because <laughs> we're having a little bit of a moment where, okay, you know, and how can I be like, this is so fun. And it was c- kind of not, you know, I mean, it's, right. you know, but that's I did like to make sure, I mean, I want to. I wanted you to know what the room looked like. I wanted you to know who all was there. Like it was important to me to give that full picture, but it does yeah. make you think in a different way about everything because it's just, you know. Yeah. It's just all those little details that go into a wedding, but it's that microcosm of a day that where usually none of those people are going to be together again. That's not, mm-hmm. unless there's not a kid in the family, but it's still not going to have their friends. So it's, you've really only got this one moment to pull it all together and get it right. Right. You know? right. Well, and then the personalities too. And, and, you know, sometimes the bride and the mother-in-law, not good, you know, and you're like, you're like kind of trying to blend into the draperies when they're having a moment because you're still in the room. I mean, you know, like, and so it's a lot of um, learning about per- the, per- you know, seeing those personalities come into play, you know, all smiles when out in public or when you're behind closed doors. I mean, it, it was great. It was a great, sort really, of- really great training of training what you're going to see and what you're going to see because you're the writer of that story. You're the writer of their wedding in a, in in photographs. Right. And I have the power to make this look fun or not fun. I mean, like (laughs) based on what I took, how I present it, how I edit the photos, like, you know, 
and now I, getting dressed is like a big part of it. Like I, we just showed up at the church. Like oh, we just, I, yeah, same. nobody was there ahead of time doing, I mean, I had like the, my friend doing my hair and makeup because she had traveled with me when I did shows on the road, but it was like, no, 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 no. But now it's, it's like matching pajamas. Matching. And the robes and the, you know, and it's almost like you're done up before you're done up so that you look good before you're done up. I mean, and that's one reason why I was like, I'm going to take a break. I mean, I had the three kids and I was getting burned out, but I mean, it turned into like when I first started, like my first wedding was like 1999 or whatever, you know, I might be there for four or five hours, right? Because you came in and you did your thing and you left. We were getting into like 10, 11, 12 hour days. And I'm like, I'm done. I mean, like, you know, I have kids and I missed a soccer game and, you know, birthday parties that they had to go to. And, and then there's going to be brunch tomorrow morning. Are you coming and back? Then, and are you coming to the rehearsal dinner? No. Do you need me there? I mean, like really, you know, and we want you for everything. Okay. You know, so, you know, yeah. And that, that was why I was like, it's too much. It's too much. It's my whole weekend. It's too much. Yeah. You're, you're creating a destination wedding now in the books. Like you could decorate yeah. that same kind of feeling because you, you also know the parts that you have to do to set up the big event. And I think that that's comes through here so much is you can't just get here. You got to do something to get along the way right. and it's got to be realistic. And for you having seen what you saw, it's a big learn curve. It's a huge it learn curve. It know? is. I do, I do think it, I kind of got, I started maybe second, second base, maybe. Right. So you didn't really plot in advance. You didn't just sit there and go, oh, and now let's see. No, I, I mean, I had, but it was rough. My first draft was rough. I mean, there was a lot of fixing to do, but I, I gave myself the, where are we going? Be open to a crazy left turn. And then I'll fix it later if it doesn't work. Um, So I read that paragraph where it says first lie wins. Was that always the title? It was. And then my agent and I were like, mm, you know, you start overthinking things and do we think it'll work? Do we think it'll work? and then we change to something else. Then we're like, no, that's boring. And then we went back to it. So pretty much, pretty yeah. much. And I think that people don't realize how much time you spend with your agent and with your editor talking things through. Like an editor isn't there and just going, I'm going to buy a book and the book is going to come out. There's a lot of work that goes on in between. And I think that the way that a book comes together is much longer than I mean, I know we were talking about this book and there was no cover. Like we were talking about this and it was like, okay, we're going to build a website. We're going to do this, that, the other thing, but there was no cover for the book. And the book- I sold this book in October, no, September of 21. Wow. Wow. So, and you know, I had to write it before that. I mean, like that's just when we sold it and then it was edit, you know, edit, edit, edit. So um, it's a long, but I, I, I know people do it faster than that. Right. That is my process. I'm like, from the time usually that they buy a book and it comes out, I'm usually at two years. This one was a little bit longer. Right. But, um, for good reason, but um, I'm, it's about a two year for me. Right. As opposed to it's like every year and it's every year is hard. It's really, really hard because you I don't want to do that. I'm not that yeah. kind of writer. I'm not yeah. that kind of writer. And I, I am not good at like, I'm going to sit down at my desk and I'm going to write for four hours a day. Like I may not write all week. And then mm-hmm. I may write every day and I, I'm not that, I'm not that good at that part of it. When you're not writing, do you feel guilty? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay. That's good. Great. So you had film news before you even had the cover, which is like even more amazing. Like a, the book's not out. We don't have a cover, but there's film news, Hulu, 
Octavia Spencer, what's going on? <laughs> what oh my gosh. What, what started so, out going on? Yes. Um, God, that that's been amazing. Um, so yes, yeah, so we pretty early on, not long after we sold the book, we also optioned it with ABC Signature and Hulu, who owns ABC Signature owns Hulu. And then they attached Octavia Spencer and her group to it. And then Krista Barnoff, who was the writer and showrunner for years for Grey's Anatomy. And so she's attached to it as well. And I have read the uh, uh, pilot for the screenplay. It's amazing. Uh, I could not be happier with it. Uh, she has elevated it for television in a way that I could not have even dreamed of. Octavia's group, I mean, they could not be more supportive. I mean, she is like, let's go. We're doing it. And, and you know, it's still a very long road. The um, writer strike obviously paused everything for everyone for a very long time. Now everybody's back and everybody's kind of hustling to get their stuff done. Um, but I think everybody seems still very enthusiastic and it feels good. And I'm very hopeful, but as you know, it's a long, it's a long bumpy road. It's a long bumpy road, but also the success of the book itself will only hurt, uh, help trying to sell it to whoever is going to yes. be a part of it. But whether yes. it's actress or whatever, you've got something to go, oh, look, this is I this. Know. I'm trying to get the book. <laughs> I can never do this backwards. And it's like, you know, really important that the book stands on its own as well. Like the story works. People are crazy about this because then they sit there and go, well, how can we make them crazy? Then the, then the pressure becomes how do we keep what they felt was so important and make sure it's a big part of whatever we're going to screen? Because sometimes the things are great. Some things I've loved and some things I've said, I could have done that better. You know, it's like, mm. yeah, no, I, I'm very happy. Very happy. Um, I, it is, it's a dream team. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very hopeful. I'm very happy. So it's like you're like living this like bubble, fabulous thing, you know, I know. So like, and I have to make dinner and do the dishes? Like, are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? I'm <laughs> Ashley Elson. I'm the author of First Fly Wins. Do you know that? You know? Pick up and the then talk. my kids are like, what time is dinner? And you're, you're like, <laughs> Mom, you got to bring it on down. You've got an interview tonight? Yes, we're getting pizza. You know? Yeah. Oh, please, not cooking again. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. So how about the audio? If you listen, you said your son has, it's Saskia, um, Saskia Marlevelt is the one who does the audio. Have you listened? No, I have. Well, I listened to, they sent me a whole bunch of them with a few minutes and I knew immediately I heard her voice. I was like, that's her. It's it. That's done. And I listened to the rest of them and I just kept going back to her. And then my agent agreed. And then I let to my friends listen. We all agreed. I was like, yes, that's her. That's her. I cannot listen, nor can I read it again, because I know I would find something I would want to tweak or change. And there, and I can't ship has sailed. And so I years ago learned once it is public, it is not mine and I don't need to consume it again. And so I have not, I've heard that she is great and I fully believe that she's great, but I cannot listen to it because it's my book. It's my book. I can't sit there and say, not. I wrote these words in my head for so long. Yeah. They're out of my head and I don't need them back in my head right yeah. now. I need to if go to I the heard something that I was like, oh, I should have said it like this. That would haunt, that would haunt me. And I'm like, I'm just not doing that to myself. See, so not writing doesn't haunt you, but rewriting would haunt you. Yes. Like I could rewrite yes. that. I yes. could make it better, you know? Yes. You also have a group that you wrote with, that you, you're, you're writing core team. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about that because I know the three of you and yeah. I feel that the support 
that you give each other is amazing. So let's start with who they are and then like, you know, why that all works, you know? Yes. Okay. So I have the two best critique partners ever. I have Megan Miranda and El Casamano, who are fabulous writers. Um, we all started in YA. We all started with the same agent around the same time. Megan was a little bit ahead of us. Um, maybe by a year, her first book came out in 2012, mine in 2013, and then Elle's in 2014. And so for, um, for me personally, my, our agent, you know, we were just, she signed me on and, you know, I've got to start writing a new book. And she's like, do you have a critique partner? And I'm like, I do not. And so she's like, well, you need one. I was like, well, you're going to have to get me. I mean, like, I don't even know where to start with that. And so she's like, well, I have some other clients. I think y'all would be a good fit. And so she introduced us on a group email and I was like, you know, hi, you know, so nice to meet you, you know, and then we start sharing a little bit of pages and then you start getting some of that feedback and then you have read some of their pages and then you're like, okay, no, we're all on the same page. Like, I feel like our, even our stuff was very different. It was similar in a way. And then we met for the first time. Well, Megan and Elle had met before I met them for the first time at y'all fest, um, in Charleston. And it was like, here, I'm going to this weekend. And, and I don't know them other than from emails and, and we had the best time and we just clicked and we all got along and talk, 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 books, not books, everything else. And then from there, I mean, we now try really hard to get together two or three times a year if we can help it, um, either at somewhere like Thriller Fest, or even if we're just like going to Megan's because I can fly there without a connection and Elle can drive down. So it's a nice meeting spot and just hang out. And um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. And, you know, they both moved to adult. I always say, I don't know why I'm an adult, but also like y'all can't leave me behind here. I come, you know, <laughs> so. You know, I love the way you will cheerlead each other. I mean, you yeah. were at Megan's house when you got the news about the New York Times list last week. And I understand her daughter shot that video of you. And I honestly and truly, I think I've watched that 20 times. Easy. I think I have too. And my husband goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, the reaction, like you've got to come in and see, but if you know the players, you're laughing yes. even more because you just do this thing and it's, it's, it's really great. Well, Megan was like, I'm going to film you. But then she looked at her daughter and she's like, I mean, you film her too, which is good because Megan's video is like this because she's jumping <laughs> up and down and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Screaming and jumping like this. And so we were very glad to have Alexa be very, you know, on, on her game, on her game. Alexa, you're the photographer. Okay? Yes. We're the talent. You know, we can do whatever we want. Yes. And so that was an amazing moment. I was very glad to be with her for that moment. And it was, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. Well, she says, yeah, she had, she said she had the bourbon ready to go. That really, oh, it was on the table. And I mean, it was just, it was perfect. But I'm like, not champagne, bourbon. I was like, oh, oh yeah. this is even like more perfect. She's yeah, in the car. I talked to her, she's in the car. And she's, I'm going to pick her up now. And I've got, and I said, I've got the bourbon already. And I just got cracked up. I was like, that's funny. That's really yeah, good. She knows me well. She knows me well. So you're doing a lot of talking about this book right now. Talk, talk, talk. What's next? Have you started anything or started musing or, because you know, everybody's going to be like, now what are you doing? I know. It has a lot in the head. Like, um, mm -hmm. you know, talk about trying to live up to something. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and very, you know, writing is such a mental game, you know, mm -hmm. like, can I, can I write anything else? And am I okay with it not living up? And, you know, because this is a lot, like, like there's a good chance it's not living up to this. Right. And can I do that? And so it's a lot of mental 
I'm working on something. I'm in that very early, like, where are we, where are we going? What are we doing? Marinating kind of, um, but liking it enough to where I'm like, okay, all right, let's go. And so, um, I'm, you know, took this month to treat the book like the newborn that it is and give it all the attention it needs. And then, you know, I'm hoping in February to kind of like, all right, buckle down, get your mind back. Right. Maybe, maybe we can do this again. So. Right. Right. Yes. Well, I'd say, say you can do it again. If you ever become like, you know, just call me and I'll just say, yeah, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Like, you know, you're going to be able to crash this again, but no, it was, it's just such a good book. And I think that the, the pleasure that people have reading it is going to be the thing that's going to buoy you on. And don't let that take you, oh, it takes, I don't know if I can do it again. Instead say, I want to do it for them. And I can do this. And take that other attitude of, I can do it. And I want yeah. to deliver something to them they enjoy as much as this, because you know what the feedback has been. I mean, people are calling me when they finish it, or they're, they're said, I am a hundred pages in or 50 pages in, and I get what you meant. And I'm like, see, I, I know it, it is, it has been overwhelming in the best possible way. You know, it's, it is, it's been, it's been good. It's been very good. And that's, that's saying it lightly. I mean, like there's no words, there's no yeah. words, but you know what? It's, it's nice because it's not, you're not an overnight success and figuring out what to, it, no, it didn't come like that. It came from a lot. Of I am books. very glad this was not my like very first book ever, because right. I don't know. I don't know that how you would even be equipped to handle this if you had not already I'd have already been in this 10 years like I know how publishing I know the ups and downs I know how hard it can be um it I it would have been very hard having no experience and then having this sort of reaction but it also would have been very hard because you sit there and go oh I expect this happens all the time and it does oh. you know but you also know what didn't happen before that you really needed to happen and what happens in YA doesn't need to happen in adults so it's learning a whole new market and all that knowledge I mean, I, I, things that I did 27 years ago when we started this company are very different from what I do now. Market, same thing. Marketplaces change. What's going on? What's happening? How you introduce people? I mean, let's face it, Zoom. I mean, where would you, okay, before you would have done a bunch of store events. Maybe you would have done what? A couple of radio shows. They did a radio tour, maybe some local television. Huh? I mean, that's, that's all that would happen. And now you're thinking of, you don't even have to do huge store events right now. You can just be doing lots of Zooms, talking to tons of people. But the other day when we introduced your book where everybody said they really loved it, um, it came in second to Kristen Hannon's The Women of the book they want to read. I mean, that's pretty big, folks. Yes. It's 300 people on Zoom listening to that preview event. That becomes really big. Of It's one it's one little thing at a time, but there are lots of little things happening all over the place yes. as well as big things. So. And that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know, it, it took a village. It took all of the, the parts coming together and it just, it was sort of that perfect storm, so to speak. Right. So. Right timing. Right. And you know what? It's snowing around here. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about travel this time yeah. of year, which is so huge, you know? Yes. yes. Well, yes. I'm hoping to see you at some events during the year because I have a funny feeling you're going to do some book festivals. I've just got this I would love feeling to. not be in your future. You know what I mean? Yeah. I am doing the Tucson Book Festival. That's um, that's on the books. You're um, going to have a blast. You're going to have a blast. I'm excited about that. Food trucks outside that serve like Mexican food besides what's in the, the room for the writers. But yes. there's all this like really fun excitement. And the yeah. campus is like really big. It's like a big I've never thing. been um, to Arizona. So I'm looking forward to it. 
the last time I did the events for them, I did five. I moderated five events for them while I was there. And I was supposed to do five the following year. And then COVID hit. And literally they canceled on Monday and I was flying out Thursday. Oh, so wow. it was like, uh, uh, where are we going? So yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yep. It's all going to be good things. It's, and you're yeah. going to get to meet people who have read it, which is going to make it even more interesting because then there's that balance of how you talk about it because most of the, some of the room has read it. The others you're hoping go buy it. So then there's this, I can't give too much away still. So, right. right. But, the, but you, there's enough here to share folks. That I'm just <laughs> saying there's only you need to just go read it and you'll see where like my little sticky pad and you're going to see where first level, you won't be able to miss it folks. It's early. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. I so appreciate this I, because I know you've got a busy schedule. So appreciate no, it's all good. This I love it. You made this so fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> and to our readers, we look forward to seeing you next time on Book Reporter Talks to trying to remember what I've got scheduled, but don't worry. It's going to be something fun because that's always what we're looking for here and to introduce you to new books. Go read First Lie Wins. I want to hear from you about it. I want to hear how you're feeling about it. And you can do that on our website on word of mouth. And I expect to hear lots of entries about this. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Keep listening for an audio excerpt from First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston, narrated by Saskia Marlevelt, coming up after the credits, courtesy of Penguin Audio. Thank you for listening to Book Reporter Talks To. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Support us by sharing on social media or by telling a friend about us. And we look forward to next time on Book Reporter Talks 2. The show has been produced by Jordan Red Productions. And now, hear an audiobook excerpt from First Fly Winds, narrated by Saskia Marlevelt, courtesy of Penguin Audio. It starts with the little things. An extra toothbrush in the glass holder next to the sink. A few articles of clothing in the smallest drawer. Phone chargers on both sides of the bed. Then the little things turn to slightly bigger things. Razors and mouthwash and birth control pills, all fighting for space in the medicine cabinet. The question changing from, are you coming over? To, what should we cook for dinner? And as much as I've been dreading it, this next step was inevitable. It may be the first time I'm meeting the people gathered around the table, people who Ryan has known since childhood. But it hasn't escaped anyone's attention that I'm already fully embedded in his life. It's the small touches a woman brings to a man's home, like the matching throw pillows on the couch, or the faint whiff of jasmine from the diffuser on the bookshelf, that every other woman notices the second she walks through the front door. A voice floats across the candlelit table, dodges the centerpiece that I was assured was delicate yet confident, and hovers in the air in front of me. Evie, that's an unusual name. I turn to Beth, debating whether to answer her question that's not really a question. It's short for Evelyn. I was named after my grandmother. The women sneak glances at one another, silently communicating across the table. Every answer I give is weighed and cataloged for a later discussion. Oh, I love that, Allison squeals. I was named after my grandmother too. Where did you say you were from again? I didn't say, and they know this. Like birds of prey, they will pick, pick, pick all night until they get the answers they want. A small town in Alabama, I answer. 
Before they can ask which small town in Alabama, Ryan changes the subject. Allison, I saw your grandmother last week at the grocery store. How's she holding up? He's bought me a few precious moments of relief while Allison relays how her grandmother is faring following the death of her grandfather. But it won't be long until I'm the focus once again. I don't have to know these people to know everything about them. They are the ones who started kindergarten together, their circle remaining small until high school graduation. They fled town in groups of twos and threes to attend a handful of colleges all within driving distance of here. They all joined sororities and fraternities with other groups of twos and threes with similar backgrounds, only to gravitate back to this small Louisiana town, the circle closing once again. Greek letters have been traded out for junior league memberships and dinner parties and golf on Saturday afternoon, as long as it doesn't interfere with SEC football. I don't fault them for the way they are. I envy them. I envy the ease they feel in these situations for knowing exactly what to expect and what is expected of them. I envy the gracefulness that comes with knowing that everyone in this town has seen them at their worst and still accepts them. How did you two meet? Sarah asks, the attention once again back on me. It's an innocent enough question, but one that unnerves me all the same. The smile on Ryan's face tells me he knows how I feel about being asked this, and he'll step in again to answer for me. But I shake him off, wiping my mouth gently with one of the white cloth napkins I bought specifically for this occasion. I say, he helped change my flat tire. Ryan would have given them more than they deserve, and that's why I stopped him. I don't mention it was at the truck stop on the outskirts of town, where I worked in the small restaurant bar, making sure no drink went empty. And I don't mention that while they are familiar with lots of acronyms, from MBA to MRS, the only one I'm acquainted with is GED. These people, his friends, wouldn't mean to, but they would hold such basic things against me. They might not even be aware they were doing it. I told Ryan I was afraid of how they would judge me once they found out my background was so different from theirs. He assured me he didn't care what they thought, but he does. The fact that he caved and invited them all here and spent the week helping me get the menu just right tells me more than the whispers in the dark that he likes how different I am, different from the girls he grew up with.